Hi, friend. Welcome to the Olive Branch Mom Podcast. My name is Bridget Adler, a Catholic mom of four turned religion teacher. Each week, you'll hear interviews, tips, and strategies to grow in faith and find peace in the chaos, while we extend the proverbial olive branch from one spiritual viewpoint to another. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump right into it. How's it going? I'm good. How's your week been? Busy? Oh, it's the last week of school, and then we're in birthday week now. Um, oh. booth, birthday month, as you know, I've got the three birthdays in June. So Lucy has COVID, so she missed the last week of school and had COVID on her birthday. Oh, no. <laughs> Not the best. Hmm. Yeah, though, she, I don't think she cared about missing the last week of school because she's not. No, that's true. Yeah, we didn't get to do too much of a celebration with her, but it's Finn's birthday today. He's he's celebrating. He's like shooting off Nerf guns right now in the distance. It's probably going to like interfere with my recording, but whatever. (laughs) You're surrounded by Geminis. Well, he's got, I got him this like really cool, like Nerf gun that was like, they're all on clearance right now at Target. Um, strangely. So he ended up getting quite some cool gifts because everything he wanted was on sale. <laughs> there you go. That's all you need. Just a birthday at a good time. Yeah, this is actually a good time of year because people are trying to like get that summer stuff out. There's lots of clearance stuff happening. Yes. Yeah. And Target has a ton of stuff on clearance right now because they overbought a lot of like their soft lines and toys and whatever due to uh-huh. like all these different pandemic supply chain issues. So they kind of now they're clearancing out a whole ton of stuff because like, guess what? Inflation. Now people don't want to buy all that extra stuff. They don't want to buy all that stuff. I know. Oh my gosh. What a weird, what a weird part of the world we're in right now. Yeah. How about you? Um, we was really good. Um, my dad is here, so he's helping out with Cameron. They had a sleepover last night. So I, we didn't even know what to do with, the, with ourselves last night. It's like, it's been a while since we were like alone without our, without our child. So it was, but it was fun. So Today we're headed towards Luray, which is west of me. There's like a kind of near Shenandoah, near the Blue Ridge Mountains. So we're heading out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to stay at a cabin with um, friends of ours from college and their four-year-old. So, Ooh, that does sound like fun. Yeah, should be interesting. Um, fun slash, you know, it's not like we're going to be by ourselves. It's like another dynamic of people there, but it will entertain Cam, which is the most important. So, Oh yeah, she'll play with the other child and yeah. it'll be all good. Yeah, I think so too. Probably a very pretty area of the country too. It's very pretty. And I, I like, I'm not a beach person. I know you are. I'm not. So I'm like, I'm forest over beach, you know, little shade over like baking in the sun. So I'm not as much of a beach person anymore, but I I do like it. It's just, you know, children have kind of worn it out of me. (laughs) (laughs) I can see how that happens. (laughs) Yeah. It really, it has happened. I, although it's like we're we're experiencing a renaissance of it now that everyone's old enough that they can enjoy like in the water without direct supervision, or I can like deploy one of my older children to keep an eye on the littlest one. There you go. So yeah, a little bit of a renaissance now. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, let's talk about what chapters are we talking about this week? We are talking about chapters 12 and 13. Uh, chapter 12, the sacred act and 13, the execute executory word. Am I saying that right? It sounded right. Yeah. Okay. Let's roll with that then. <laughs> so what are these like free association? What do these chapters mean to you? If you just heard the word and didn't read them? The sacred act. 
Um, well, I would think about probably the consecration at mass because that's what we're talking about is mass and the executory word. I wasn't quite sure what he meant by that, just like off the top of my head, you know, when mm -hmm. I first read the chapter mm -hmm. title, but they're talking, you know, he is talking about the priest acting in person for Christ and executing God's directions to be repeating this act that happens in the consecration, the mystery of faith. And I was just thinking when I read through that chapter, I'm like, wow, this is probably like a super foreign chapter for you because you don't go to a Catholic mass, but this is something like, a, well, this is like pre Vatican II versions of saying things that happen at mass, but it's basically the exact same thing yet, but just a little less uh, flowery sounding, if you will. Yeah, Florin. <laughs> However, I'm like, you know, this is stuff you hear every single mass, but to you, that probably, you know, it's not something that's like sunk into your memory like it is in mine. Yeah. These so, two chapters for me, I, the further we went in the book, the less I could connect to it only because I'm not Catholic. So it was sort of hard, but I like through these conversations to learn more about what the thing is. And then it's sort of, I can find a parallel or corollarily like relationship to something else that might make sense for me. So interested, let's start with sacred act. Okay. Sacred act. So we're talking about different quote unquote religious acts. And I liked how he introduced this by talking about how there can be this spontaneous direct expression of an experience that someone just happened or a group of, you know, group of people just experienced, mm -hmm. you know, like this unique direct expression of an experience that if you were to repeat it, it would become artificial and embarrassing. So this is like the spontaneous moment of reverence and gratitude. Mm. The second one is an act springing from a significant regularly reoccurring hour. So like he brought this in, like when, right before you go to sleep at night or right when you wake up in the morning, these are things that are the rhythms of life. These like natural rhythms mm -hmm. of existence. And then number three, he's taught is like the religious act that's been instituted purposefully. So it's an act that can be made valid and obligatory, he calls mm. it. So only he who possesses authority can institute with genuine validity. So for instance, the um, commemoration of the Passover, you know, is something that was instituted for the Jews. And then now we're commemorating the Last Supper at Mass. And that's and he calls it the core of Christian divine service, repeating what happened at the Last Supper and these moments of consecration. So I, I thought that was really interesting because when you think of religion, you think of like organized religion. But he's talking about different religious acts, like and how we can, you know, number one, have the spontaneous re response to something that's happening as a group or even individual, but it not to be repeated because then it would be like false. Right. But then other just natural rhythms of life that lead to this connection with reverence and gratitude and prayer. And then the third purposefully instituted moment of reverence and prayer. So what do you think about that? I mean, again, it's hard for me to sort of connect to it, but I, I think I need to know more. So during mass, is there an expectation that there be like the spontaneous doesn't mean that like it happens every time, but is mass sort of like supposed to be that moment for people? Is that the thinking? No, I think he's drawing the, this one as the instituted religious act. You know, that's what he's considering mass. Whereas like Got it. spontaneous one would just be like the 
the first one, like the spontaneous naturally occurring one would be like, let's see if we like almost hit a car, <laughs> you know, it's like oh. everyone in the, in the car is like, Oh, thank God we didn't hit the car. Like that's the first one. That's like just your in your life kind of moment. The second one being something that is in response to these natural rhythms of existence that we have. So this would also be in your day-to-day life. However, like when you think about it, you could have any of these experiences while you're at your mass or in a religious service, depending upon what's going on with you at the time. Like you could have this moment of you, if you're going to be going to church or going to mass, you could be taking with yourself like this moment of remembering something that happened that you were grateful for or thanking God for, which would be like that more spontaneous expression. I think a lot of people can relate to that because I mean, our lives have so many ups and downs and there's these moments where you just, you know, you're at something that is an organized, not obligatory, but like something that's an instituted event, like going to church or going to something else. And then you have this inner moment of, you know, you're thinking about something that happened and you're having like a wellspring of gratitude or just a spontaneous reaction. So for instance, like a lot of times at church, um, like we'll have a moment where like the priest will talk about something that's happening in the parish or something like for, like we had um, a death of our preschool teacher's son. And that was like a spontaneous moment of a group like response, right? Where people are you know, all together in this moment, having this spontaneous moment of prayer. I think that's kind of like the first version that I'm thinking of that he's talking about, because that's more of a spontaneous reaction, right? Yeah, that's that makes sense to me. Can you think of time? I'm sure that I've had this happen, but I'm just not, I'm not thinking of anything that's coming to mind. Can you think of something, doesn't have to be while you were at church, but like a moment where you had sort of that spontaneous moment of like, oh, that car almost hit me or. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just saying basically it could happen at any time, but the, it can also happen at mass or at church. So yeah, I mean, there's all the time. <laughs> I feel like I'm constantly spontaneously like, whoa. <laughs> Give me an example. Well, I mean, just the other day we, you know, we're driving home from school and this car started pulling out and I saw it in time and slammed on the brakes. And then they saw me and stopped too but I was like oh and then in the back seat Finn's like mom you should be paying better attention I'm like I was paying attention I was that's why we stopped yeah yeah otherwise we would have hit this car because I saw him first then he saw me and I had the right away so it's just like these little moments of like oh thank god <laughs> we're okay and they're okay yeah. and I mean this stuff happens to all the time to me <laughs> these near misses <laughs> near misses <laughs> but I mean there's other things where you're like grateful for you know like if you hear good news because you know some medical testing or you know or what some other drama that's happening in other people's lives can affect you in the same way where you have yeah. same, like oh thank god yep. you know moment yeah. of like real true gratitude where you're just like the expression of it is just very pure and true in the moment but to like you cannot reenact it you yeah. know Oh, I see what you mean. Got it. Yeah. yeah I'm, tracking. I'm tracking. Yeah. Cause if you were to try to reenact it, you lost like that kernel of, a, of initial, like extreme gratitude. I feel like it fades. I mean, you have like these big, big things that you're overall grateful for in life. I'm sure. Yeah. And that like core of it stays very relevant and very pure. 
but then you have the other little ones where like time kind of like lessens the potency of your gratitude right kind of like I mean that's just pretty normal in life like time heals all wounds etc etc it's like we need to have this like refresh of everything at all times right yeah I'm Um, with you yeah so let me see what did you say the second one was rhythms of life so he's calling out for instance the experience of the natural thing that we have where we like to you know at the end of the day kind of collect ourselves or first thing in the morning kind of set ourselves uh, up for the day you know these are like natural rhythms that humankind just repeat you know and they have been repeating because it's part of like our humanity like this being tied to nature Mm -hmm. and the seasons and the cycles of you know the earth and it's like we can't quite get away from it it's like we're still super like obsessed with the weather you know? yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. We are still so like, we cannot get away from like the nature of ourselves and the world. It's like, we, no matter how advanced we get, we still can't control the weather. I mean, we can think sure. about it. We can yeah. try to predict it, but there's still like so much of a margin of error. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. I have, I have two weather apps on my phone and they contradict each other sometimes. I'm like, <laughs> I believe going to rain is it going to really rain or like this one says 40 percent. this one says 60 percent. like <laughs> let me pull up your discrepancy yeah let me pull up the satellite footage and see what my uneducated self can on meteorology can kind of glean from this <laughs> <laughs> so it's like we, we're still super attuned to like the, the sunset you know the sunrise he's just like kind of natural human rhythms that haven't gone away for, for us. They're part of our biology and human nature. So that's what I see, like kind of what he's saying for the second one. What, what, when the second one, when he's, is he just mentioning it or are they making a statement about it? Um, well, this is on page, the end of bottom of page 59. So he's just trying to like, kind of set us up for what an act, a religious act, kind of like the underpinnings of it. Uh-huh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So the third one, a religious act that's instituted, if you wanted to look at it in terms of like an unreligious, not necessarily unreligious, but like not a churchy kind of, but instituted act, think about like birthdays or mm-hmm. Oh, I got you. Okay. You know, like these are yeah. things that are instituted. Got like it. Don't, you know, they're not natural. I mean, there is something in us to always celebrate annual things. Okay. So that's natural, I guess. Yeah. Like Valentine's day comes on February 14th. That is not something that we feel naturally as being attuned to the earth. Right. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. like kind of how I see that, but like we're commemorating a specific thing on a specific day. It's been instituted. It's kind of part of our culture, part of like our group, you know, sense of what we're doing here. But I think what he's saying in this is like that relevancy for this third one, the instituted act is about like what you bring to it, like your ability to be purely connected to it, which you already kind of discussed a lot throughout this book, because he says on page 62, if the act is to be related significantly to regularly recurring hours or seasons, the participant must feel the truth of the relation and of the mystery behind it. So this is how gain some kind of validity it's like you can say like okay it's it's valentine's day all right whatever what does that mean like (laughs) your your ability to connect to that and truly celebrate it is like about you feeling 
its relevancy, you feeling connected to it in that, like the truth of it, what is the truth of it and the mystery behind it? You know, yeah. I mean, that's just saying like a, a, the depth of your connection to it, I think, you yeah. know, is, I, kind of a translation in a way. Mm-hmm. So like Valentine's day is going to be a whole lot more meaningful to you. If you feel like this is an expression of our love for each other and humanity or a romantic love for our spouse. And you find, like, you give it your own sense of participation. Mm-hmm. Right. But if it's just like another day where you think it's just for exchanging um, cards or chocolates, I mean, and your participation is like not neutral or non-existent, then it'll just pass by, you know, without any significance. Correct. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I really saw this in Memorial day, which we just celebrated recently. And I guess um, my daughter's school, they're really teaching them what these holidays mean. Mm-hmm. She comes home and she wants to know which, who in our family has passed away in, in the line of service. And I did, I, I had to really think of, I didn't really think about it. I'm like, wait, we've had people that serve. Wait, no, that's veterans day. It literally took me a second to be like, but we are. And then I had to find, you know, it was my great uncle. And then I had to text my, my uncle to be like, do you know how, you know, uncle, great uncle Edward died? Yes. He fought under Patton in an infantry, infantry division. He's buried in Luxembourg. It was just cool. And he sent me all these articles and I'm showing, I'm showing my daughter and we're reading about it. And I'm like, cool. Like history has become personal. This is someone in my family who passed away. And it was just sort of like, well, let's honor that. Like this, he made a sacrifice for us. Right. And it was, I had never experienced a moral day quite like that. Isn't that beautiful? Like this gift that we get of our children participating in Yes. Like this connection to these events in the, in the calendar. And and like you, you are like reconnected to it as an adult now. Yeah. Yes. I feel like if you don't have kids in school, you kind of, before you have, you get kind of indoctrinated into the system, if you will, of the calendar and like all these dates, like they really love to celebrate these significant dates and to educate your children on them. And it's like all to the better because it's helping them relate to the world in a, in a new and way that can really be meaningful. So I know, I mean, we, we had that, we have this discussion like literally every year at Memorial Day. So But this year is like even more exciting because like Finn really connected to it this year too, because, and they're starting to see like the difference between like Veterans Day, Memorial Day, Armed Forces Day. Like these are all for different, you know, military related remembrances. So we remembered Grandma Kay's uncle Stanislaus, her favorite uncle. He died, um, not fighting in World War II, but of the flu. No. He died at the end. Isn't that like the most tragic? Oh, where he could come back. Oh no, that's so sad. He died of the flu. He oh, like, survived God. everything. And oh man, I know. Isn't that just tragic? Yes, it is. Her it favorite is. uncle. Stan. Oh gosh, favorite yeah. game. I know, but it's like you know that's what makes it so real. You know, it's true. I, I never, literally, was like never had this connection, and that's the. The great thing about if you're in your life trying to be more mindful and children are such a great guide. <laughs> they just are always in that moment, right? Before the really ego begins to develop. So it's like, they really take these things to heart and it's a good reminder, right? 
Well, I mean, think about it in levels of participation, which he discusses in this book too. It's like their participation is they're fully participating here, you know, and then they bring us into it, which is a really beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. You have to allow yourself to be drawn. Yes. You have to commit. My friend says you always must commit whatever you're doing, commit to it. (laughs) Okay. So we should move on to the, the other chapter executory word so at the beginning we're talking a lot of different words that are said at the mass which you know we already kind of said are going to be a little bit foreign if you're not catholic but um i did highlight a few sections that i think are pretty meaningful either way because they're calling out you know the reason why these words are repeatedly said it's on page 66 and 67 Their God's biblical words are read, proclaimed, and heard. Priest and people make them their own and pass them back as prayer to God. Here the word becomes the living present. So what was once spoken by Christ is spoken anew, not as a new word issuing from the hour and consequently consequently passing away with it, but as the old Christ-spoken word renewed and becoming part of this hour. So we're meant to ring out again and again these specific words until he comes again over the course of history because he says to do this in remembrance of me Mm -hmm. so it's interesting to think about how your connection to all of these words that if you're catholic and you hear this like at every mass since you know if you're a cradle catholic which means from birth you're just going to hear them and kind of have them memorized right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's really up to you again, how much you're going to feel that and how much you're going to feel as like an active participant, because really the congregation is there to be praying along with the priest Mm -hmm. and participating in it is like their prayers together with the priest are like what makes this moment happen. Hmm. Like you're not just there as an observer, Yeah, but you can very easily shift yourself into observer position as you know, like what our author has talked about enough already. like throughout yep throughout the book book. you know it's like all about what you bring to it yeah certainly very true with this and like everything else in life (laughs) yeah I agree I think the other corollary here um when I was evangelical you know the Lord's prayer you just like there's that there's a prayer and then for a period of time I got really into um there's this great organization called the Bible Project and they do a lot of teaching on um Bible study like study this is what the Greek word means this is what the Hebrew like that type of study and they did a series on the Lord's prayer and if you really understand what is in the Lord's prayer and why it is in there it makes the Lord's prayer way more significant than if you're just like repeating it through you know what I mean Absolutely. like um like the term thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, why those two things are included, why heaven and earth, just like thinking things that you never thought about that you just repeat it thinking, oh, if I just say this prayer, it means that I'm protected or people have a whole bunch of, or I feel more in control of my life or like whatever. But when you really know and understand the words and um, I don't claim to have remembered all of it. And again, it's it, it just with anything else, like you, like you said, you must commit to like, what do you want? You really want to be participate? you want to be a participant or not? But yeah, the time that, um, the time that I was really understanding what it meant was super significant. Some of the Jewish prayers are like that too, because of course those are our prayers as well. So it was just really fascinating hearing more of what the word meant. Um, and then being part of repeating a prayer that is ancient Mm -hmm. and many traditions have this, right. Um, 
many, many other religious traditions have this, where it's like sacred words, sacred mantras that have just been shared over the centuries and um, many, many years, and spans of time, and how that connects you by participating in it, you're, it's, you're, it's a connection as well across all the people who have said it before. So it's cool, but again, you must commit. Well, there is a really um, cool exercise that people can do that is kind of, it's very similar. We do this work in the atrium with uh, level two kids and level three. It's like you take each line of the Lord's prayer and that's on like one strip, like a big strip. And you can hand them out to the like a group of kids or like you can just scramble them up yourself and take one line out and look and just ponder it and read it and think about it. Like, what do you think this means? And mm-hmm. just sit with it for a while and like feel the significance of it. And just, yeah. you know, if you're in the group of people, you can discuss it. But then we ask the children to put it in order. And it's really funny how when you look at things that you've seen forever or have memorized, you're like, oh, wait, is this go before that? It's like you challenging yourself to look at it in a whole different way. Yeah. And very similar to kind of like your exercise you were talking or your study that you did. So. Yeah, I think that's like a fun, a fun thing to do, even though it doesn't, I mean, it sounds very like, okay, this is going to be work, but it's actually kind of fun. You it's know, so it's like fun. a little puzzle. Oh, hundred percent. And I love sitting and thinking and pondering over things. Not everybody does though, but I do. I do too. <laughs> Me too. Like, why go through the motions unless you really understand what you're doing, you know, right. dispense with that, just dispense with it, make it less automatic and more intentional. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. So I also really like how they talk about in this, in this chapter, they talk a lot about like the words that are happening around the time of the consecration of the gifts, the bread and the wine, but they're also talking about um, the proclamation, the mystery of faith, which in Latin is Mysterium Fidei or Fidei. I don't know how to pronounce that. I need to take Latin lessons. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So like at every mass, you'll hear the priest and he'll like, you know, say mystery of faith. He'll either chant it or he'll like say it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, how many people are actually sitting there thinking about what is the mystery of faith? (laughs) It's again, one of those things. It's like, do you know what it means? What do you think it means? You know? And are people connecting to it? It depends upon the level of the connection that they're able to achieve in the moment based on like where they're at, what they know, what they've been, you know, taught, what they're, how they're interacting. But I really liked how on page 68, he kind of goes into the priest, you know, because this is part of the executory word, like that part of the name of this chapter, like what is he really getting at about executing something? Mm -hmm. So he's Mm -hmm. talking about when the priest utters the words, they're not merely reported, they rise and create. Obviously, at this point, we do not simply hear a man talking. The priest pronounces the words, certainly, but they're not his. He is only their bearer, and he does not bear them by reason of his personal faith or piety or moral strength, by means, but by means of his office, through which he executes the Lord's directions. The true speaker remains Christ. He alone can speak thus. The priest merely lends the Lord his mind, voice, mind, will, and freedom, playing a role similar to that of the baptismal water. For the new birth is not brought about by its natural cleansing qualities, but by the power of Christ. It is Mm. Christ who baptizes, just as here it is Christ who speaks. So that is a challenging concept for people to like think of someone who is your priest or pastor as acting in the person of Christ and not 
the individual that you just saw at the baseball practice or wherever, you know, <laughs> See, this is a fallible human, but in this moment, power of Christ is allowing something to be born onto you. Like there's a, something is being created here. It's not just simply someone talking and repeating the words, but by means of his office, he's becoming the speaker of Christ. So kind of like, you know, when a baby's baptized with water, it's just, it could be just water but it's Christ that is baptizing the baby here that makes it more than just water. Mm -hmm. So what do you think of that? I mean, it's a foreign concept to me because that's just not part of my tradition, but I'm interested in it. It's, you know, I wonder sort of, um, I, I would love to sort of interview, I would love to interview like a straight up priest to be like, you know, do you feel this power? You know what I mean? Like in the act, like, do you have, is this a spontaneous moment for you? You know what I mean? Like, are you feeling that? Like, how are you intentional when you are undertaking these things that are, you're communicating Christ through them? Like, do you do preparations? I'm, I'm just so curious. Oh yeah, now. they do. Most yeah, of them like do. I would love to, again, and like, of course, you know what that is. I don't, but it's just interesting to me. Like when you're when you're stepping in a role like that, and that's the belief, I just would wonder about like, well, now I'm totally want to know all about that. Like what's the preparation? And like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, do you eat certain foods or avoid them? Because <laughs> I'm just so curious about like how that feels, if that's, because I do believe that, you know, beliefs to people are extremely important. And if they believe that, then that's what's happening. So it's like, well, based on that, like how, how does that feel? <laughs> There's a, many layers of symbolism and actions before, during mass too, that the priest is like engaging with his office. Yeah. I mean, it even goes down to like how they, the, the outfits that they're wearing is all related yeah. to this. And yeah. then to become a priest, you become anointed and through a sacramental you know, process called holy orders, where they're being imbued with this you know, in the ceremonial way with the Holy Spirit to be acting in the person of Christ. Mm -hmm. So, and it's very, a long preparation to like become a priest to begin with, but you many, many years of training and, you know, all this, but then there's all these like little thing, rituals and things that they do before they go to mass that reminds them that they're acting in the person of Christ, you know, even down to their, they wear like what's called an elb which is a white cloak, which is supposed to remind them of their baptism. That's like what they wear underneath this robe, which is called a chasuble. And then that chasuble symbolizes what time of the liturgical year we're in, or if we're celebrating a funeral or a wedding or whatever else, it's like, he's very much tied into what's happening there. And, and, and I feel like our own personal parish priest, he has like a favorite part of the mass where he feels like the most connected to the, the pair the people there and with God. So it's like, yeah, they are feeling a lot. <laughs> Most of them. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It's very neat. It's think really that, cool to talk to priests about yeah, you know, what they're like, doing. I, I feel like in that we can learn from that, right? We can learn from that because they're undergoing these different rituals and preparations to sort of like conduct this feeling, this energy, whatever you want to call it. So it's like, we can learn from that, right. And sort of how they mindfully prepare and how they're intentional in it. And I think to the benefit of the people sort of who are maybe a little bit more novice, I would include, you know, a more novice in the respect of like, well, how do we 
prepare ourselves in, in our, in our worlds, in our lives, when our brains are filled with like to-do lists and what am I going to have for lunch? And you know what I mean? So it's just, it's, I think they could offer some really great pointers to the rest of us. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really do like how he points out in this chapter too, that priest is the bearer of the, of Christ, but it's, this is not because of his own personal faith or piety or moral strength. It's by means of his office. It's like, because Christ is choosing to act through this person. I mean, you think there's a, there's a lot of Holy spirit moments where you feel like the Holy spirit acting through you too, mm-hmm. you know, and you can connect to that as well mm-hmm. and understand that. And I think that's important to like, keep in mind because we can, te- we can tend, I don't know. I think everybody has this moment when they're going to a certain church where they're like, Ugh, all these people suck, you know, like, <laughs> And I don't know if I want to go to this church anymore. Cause like you get to like, you know, too much about certain people right. or you just feel like, I don't know what, you know? Yeah, I know. And, but it's like, you're, this isn't about them. This is about you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. There's a lot of truth to that. And I think, um, just in my past relationship with churches, I mean, there, you can always find something, right. You can always convince yourself of something, but, um, it almost doesn't matter where you're at. If you just intentionally participate, you'll probably be able to get to where you're trying to go. Right. But if you are quick to sort of, you're like a bit of a weather vane when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. The second a church pisses you off, you can leave. And that will likely happen a lot. (laughs) Likely will happen a lot. Well, we have about five minutes left. The next two chapters are also going to be a little mass heavy. Ooh. But then after that, you're, I'm seeing like he's getting more into general human nature type things. Um, well, there's even a chapter called reality. There you go. I'm an eternity. You know, well, I, I like learning about the mass stuff just because I'm just curious, you know, and it's interesting to sort of know and learn. I think people have a perspective on what, um, especially if you're from the evangelical tradition, you have a, you already have a perspective on what you think Catholics believe and what they conduct at their churches so this has been interesting you know just to sort of like we'll do that gap analysis of like what do you think is happening and then from this book and from your explanation of the book like well this is what we believe it this is what we believe is happening it's just those are different those are going to be you're going to have two different yeah, there's a, a ton of misconceptions like you could do a whole pot well actually there is a great podcast called the cordial cordial catholic that i love where oh. he talks about a lot of these different misconceptions of Catholicism that he even held this, the um, podcaster before he became Catholic, it's pretty rampant. <laughs> yeah, no, I <laughs> think, and, and honestly, that works the opposite way. Yeah, sure. plenty, of, <laughs> plenty of assumptions about any one religion, right? Well, about we tend to kind of get in our own bubble for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. So this is helping me sort of, um, well, I don't have a bubble now, but it's helping me look at your bubble. And be like, what? No, because you can pull, you can, I think to understand it better um, just helps you understand yourself. Right. And um, that's all of what I'm about. So awesome sauce. All right. So let's do chapter 14, the word of praise, and chapter 15, the word of entreaty. Awesome. And then we'll be moving on after that to some more general stuff, it looks like too. So, but I mean, this is also really, I think, super interesting, but. I love learning about it. I think it's fast. It's just absolutely fascinating. And um, yeah, I kind of make, you know, if I'm ever over there visiting, I would love to go with you and just be like, okay, now all of what I know, 
does this make a little bit more sense? Cause like, when you're go to mass and you're not Catholic, it's so confusing, <laughs> but it's like now having been through all this, I wonder if I can pick up what's happening when, you know what I mean? Just oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think you would do. Yeah. You feel a whole lot more connected to what's happening. I think people do feel like it's a very strange especially the first few times that they go, you know, because everyone's repeating these things that you're like, what are they saying? But it's all biblical. And that's what people don't understand. It's like, if you're familiar with a lot of different um, parts of the Bible, then you'll hear it called out throughout a mass. And, you know, you'll have a lot of familiarity with what you're hearing. If you're someone who's pretty into your Bible. (laughs) Very cool. I love it. Well, great discussion. Good luck with all the birthday celebrations. Enjoy. Stay safe. Thank you so much. (laughs) Enjoy your, your fun weekend ahead. Thank you. I will. I will talk soon. Bye. Bye. I'll be back with another episode in one week. In the meantime, check out more content on olivebranchmom.com and follow me on Instagram at olivebranchmom. Check out my show notes for links to both. Thanks for listening.